The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the executive minister, senior assistant minister, and the director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. I'm in the midst of a series titled Exploring Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. I've asked everyone who's following along with the series to get the book because we're having a great time, and I'm taking my time teaching this book. I want to make sure that you get the essence of what I think this book is trying to teach us. So today I'm continuing chapter three. I've been taking, like I said before, taking my time, making sure that you're getting the nuances of the lessons. And I don't want to rush it because I just feel as though that this book is worth the time that I'm taking. So as I'm working with this book last week or the last episode, rather, I was talking a lot about contemplating what it is that you seek to produce. And when you're working with that contemplation, what that looks like. All right. So I want to start on page 37 and work through the completion of the chapter so we can at least move on past this. And this chapter three is connecting to intention, connecting to intention. So on page 37, it reads, what you're feeling is a function of how you're thinking, what you're contemplating and how your inner speech is being formulated. If you could tap into the feeling of the power of intention, you'd sense that it is ever increasing, confident in itself, because it is a formative power so infallible that it never misses its mark. So this reminds me a lot, actually, of Neville Goddard's teaching, Feeling is the Secret. Reverend Ike flipped it and made it fit, uh, Feeling is the Blessing, but it's all the same thing. Getting to the space where you understand the, the desire, the impulse of spirit that is seeking to work in through and as you, ever seeking expression as you. So on page 38, it reads, how do you enter into the spirit of intention, which is all about feelings expressing life? You can nurture it by your continual ongoing expectation of the infallible spiritual law of increase being a part of your life. Now, let me just say a few things about this. First of all, expectation is a form of prayer. Expectation is a form of prayer. I want you to remember that. To pray one thing and to expect something else doesn't work. Why? Because you are are undercutting what you're praying about because your prayers need your belief. Your prayers need your faith. Your prayers need your conviction. Your prayers need your expectation. And when you pray for one thing and expect something else, you really don't believe what you're praying. There's no other way for me to say it. Now, back to the book. Then it said, in the infallible spiritual law. Now, you've heard me say on this show many times, I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. We have to consistently make that affirmation, proclaim that declaration over and over again. Why? 
to shift our thinking beyond being a human being only only bound to human laws, the laws of physics and things of that nature, which work on this, uh, on the third dimensional level of life. You're a spiritual being. And because you're a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe, there are infallible spiritual laws that work. And one of them is the law of increase being a part of your life. Now, one of the ways I teach this, and I didn't get created, I was taught it myself, was that praise is the law of increase. As you praise, you raise, you rise in consciousness. As you take the P off of praise, that's how I was taught it. Take the P off of praise and you have raise. So as you praise, you raise, you raise and expand your consciousness beyond where it currently is. So let's keep on moving. It said, you, you need to simply trust your ability to cheerfully rely upon spirit to express itself through and for you. And I'm going to add as you. Cheerfully rely. In other words, have a, have an expectation of joy. Matter of fact, the, one of the ways in which the Aramaic Bible scholar, Dr. Rocco Erico, who's been a friend of, on this, uh, a friend and a guest on this podcast numerous times has often said that one of the ways in which the word gospel is translated is joyful expectation, not just good news. Joyful expectation. That's the gospel. That's the good news. This joyful expectation that the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, the supply of God is at hand. That's the good news. So he went on to write, your task is to contemplate the energies of life, love, beauty, and kindness. So as we contemplate, we work with it. Now, for those who follow my sermons on YouTube, check out my sermon, The Language of Oneness Meditation. The Language of Oneness Meditation, because I talk a lot about the contemplative process contemplative meditation and how it can be used to create higher levels of awareness and bless your life. Now, moving on, page 38. He went on the right. There's no disputing the existence of your free will. You're a, a being with a mind capable of making choices. Indeed, you are in a continuous state of deliberate choice making during your life. This isn't about free will versus predetermined destiny, but look carefully at how you've chosen to rely on your ability to will yourself to whatever you desire. Intention in this book isn't about having a strong desire and backing it up with a pit bull kind of determination. Having a strong will and being filled with resolve to accomplish inner goals is asking the ego to be the guiding force in your life. I will do this thing. I will never be stupid. I will never give up. These are admirable traits, but they won't reconnect you to intention. Now, this is the key part here. Highlight in your book. Your willpower is so much less effective than your imagination, which is your link to the power of intention. Imagination is the movement of the universal mind within you. Your imagination creates the inner picture that allows you to participate in the act of creation. 
So now you recognize how do you work? Uh, am I working willpower or I'm working imagination? This book is literally asking you to enhance your ability to work with your imagination. All right. So instead of just being ego driven, willpower driven, be creatively driven. So as Michael Beckwith says, uh, pain pushes until vision pulls. You want to be pulled by your vision, not just pushed by your pain. Sometimes being pushed by your pain is necessary to, necessary to get you up off of your behind. Sometimes getting fed up is enough. But there, there's other levels to this. And I want you to be in alignment with the other levels. You don't just have to be pushed by your pain. You don't have to just identify with your pain. Vision can pull you. And vision is an aspect of imagination. All right. Then he went on to write, talking about the ego. This ego, this ego will wants you to constantly acquire evidence of your importance. That's why you're trying to willpower stuff to make it happen, because it has to define who you are to the world and to yourself. No, I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. I am one with God. I'm one with all people. I'm one with all life. I'm one with the one. That is the truth of who I am. That is the truth of who you are, regardless of appearances. So let's move on. And he gives some great stories about how his imagination drives him as a almost as a desire, the creativity is pushing him to do the things that need to be done instead of it being willpower. Use the example of running a marathon and seeing it in his, in his mind, completing the marathon and the vision was pulling him. It wasn't his willpower alone. So he, he wrote on page 40, imagine myself to be and I shall be. Imagine myself to be. And I shall be. Can you just sit in the imagination of being something? Now, I'm not saying that there's no outer work that has to happen. I'm not saying that there's no outer skills that need to be developed. What I am saying is, can you imagine yourself beyond your current circumstances? Can you imagine yourself with all the provision you need? Can you imagine yourself healthy enough to move in the way you want to move in life? Can you imagine yourself beyond the illness, beyond the medicine, beyond? And I'm not telling anybody to not go to the doctor. I'm not telling anybody not to take that medicine. I'm saying, can you imagine yourself beyond it? Because it's possible to live beyond it. But life is consciousness. And you're not going to outperform your own consciousness. Therefore, you have to consistently imagine yourself beyond. And I know that can be sometimes challenging because when you want to pray and, and meditate, study, all of a sudden the mind gets busy or your body gets sleepy or you get distracted or you get bored. It's all type of stuff that the mind does and the body does not to focus on spiritual things. 
but just stick to it. And just this is this is actually where the willpower does come into play. Just keep coming back to it until the vision is pulling you. All right. Back to the book. Page 40. Uh, one more thing on page 40. He wrote, my imagination is my very own chip off the old block of intention. I love that because uh, what it's saying is that your imagination has no boundaries, just like you. Your imagination is beyond your circumstances, beyond your heredity, beyond your family situation beyond your bank account, beyond, beyond, beyond. That's why you have to develop it and utilize it because as you develop and utilize it, it helps you get in alignment with the truth of your being. Neville Goddard called it assumption. And I did a whole show on that. I did two different series on Neville. If you go back through the archives, you'll see I did one on the law and the promise many years ago. And I did one recently on another book that's not popping up in my head right now because I teach the lessons and then I move on. But it was really good. So check it out. It was on Neville Goddard. (laughs) All right. Page 41. He went on to write. You, your body, and your ego do not intend, do not create, do not animate anything into life. Set your ego aside. By all means, have an aim in life and be full of determination. But rid yourself with the illusion that you're the one who's going to manifest your heart's desire through your will. It's your imagination that I want you to focus on throughout the reading of this book. And view all of your determined goals and activities as functions of your imagination working, guiding, encouraging, and even pushing you in the direction that intention had for you while you are still in an unmanifested state. I love this because this is saying a couple of things. One, it it reinforces what uh, Reverend Dr. Michael Beckwith wrote when he wrote, Pain pushes until vision pulls. Allow the vision to pull you. It also says that you at one point were not this incarnation that you call you now, a a person with a name and a history. The unmanifested you showed up here. The unmanifested you became manifested and showed up here with purposes that needed to be manifested, lessons that needed to be learned, gifts that needed to be shared. So when you just limit yourself to whatever your name is and however you identify in the world, like I could say, well, Galen McDowell is a black man born on the South side of Chicago, a married guy, you know, young adult daughter, stuff like that. If I identify only as that, and when I'm saying that factually, none of that, factually, all of that stuff is true. But if I only identify there, then I miss the point of I am made in the image and likeness of God. And as Jeremiah chapter one, verses four and five state, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. We are spirit. I am spirit. I transcend what people call my humanness. And so do you. But you have to wake up to it. I'm more than my humanness. I'm a spiritual being. I'm more than that. So he went on to write, you're looking for a vibrational matchup of your imagination and the source of all creation. So I keep saying in this series that we have to be in alignment with the divine intention of good that's already working in, through, and as us. But when we're out of alignment with it, we don't get the full benefits of walking in that level of consciousness where things come together where dots get connected, where the I's get dotted and the T's get crossed. Then he wrote, and I love this, and I'm sure yet again that this is, this is, this is Neville all over again. Your imagination allows you the fabulous luxury of thinking from the end. Just stop and just say, you know what? I'm just going to think from the end about this. I'm just going to think from the end. How clear can you get about the end? How clear? You know, it reminds me of, you know, being a kid and, you know, me and my buddies would play basketball all the time. And, you know, we would just come up with these imagined uh, scenarios where we would, you know, you know, time left on the clock, buzzer beater, shots and whatever. And, you know, it was important to us. But there were some people who were literally seeing themselves hitting the winning shot in the NBA finals. And you hear these stories about these NBA players saying, I took that shot in my driveway thousands of times. They were thinking from the end. They had no doubt that that shot was going in because they took that shot thousands of times, tens of thousands of times in their driveway. So when it came time to execute, they had already been there. They already saw the ball going through the hoop. They saw the net snapping. That's part of the process. You have to see your end game, your end goal, the end of your desired result with as much clarity and conviction as possible. That is the mental equivalent. If you want more information about the mental equivalent, go back and listen to the series in my archives, the mental equivalent, where I explain that in great detail. Now, it goes on to say, in imagination, dwell on the end fully confident that there, that, that it's there in the material world and that you can use the ingredients of the all-creative source to make it tangible. In other words, it already exists and it belongs to me. Let me get in alignment with it so it can show up in my life. All right. Then he wrote, he wrote be indifferent to doubt and to the call of your will. Remain confident that through continued reliance on your imagination, 
your assumptions are materialized into reality. Mm. Doubt's going to creep up. And your will is going to want to take over. And you have to remain steadfast that you are not working strictly by your human intellect and might. As scripture says, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But by my spirit, can you trust that process? And that whatever outer actions you need to take, spirit can guide you into taking them. So you don't get still. Sometimes getting still just means I'm drawing things into my alignment. Sometimes it means I'm drawing things into my alignment and now there are steps I need to take. Because there's a passive and an active role that you have to work on in this process. But get your mind right first. All right. One more thing on this page. He wrote, if imagination works for God, then surely it works for you too. Through imagination, God imagines everything into reality. This is your new strategy as well. Now, I highlighted that. I put three prescription marks by that statement alone. If God creates, because it says we're created in the image and likeness of God. And in the first chapter of Genesis, even though it's an allegory, in other words, it's not a literal story, but it has spiritual principles in it. And, and God imagined and then proclaimed that which was imagined and brought it into existence. That has to be our same strategy. All right. So couple more things on page 42 before we take our quick pause. So on page 42, he wrote a basic question I think all of us need to be in alignment with. How do I get, how do I go about getting what I intend to create? Instead of saying, what do I want? Because you don't want to produce the consciousness of always wanting. How do I go about getting what I intend to create? So instead of saying, I want, Say, I intend to create. That's a different way of form, formatting your thinking. Instead of saying, well, I want more money. I intend to create more money. I choose more money in my life. I am prosperity. It's just a, it's just a mental shift. It's just a mental shift. Then he wrote, how do you do that? He said, you get what you intend to create by being in harmony with the power of intention, which is responsible for all of creation. So yet again, it's about getting in alignment with the truth that already is. Then he quotes John Randolph Price, who I met one time, by the way, um, at an International New Thought Alliance Congress right before he made his transition. I met him and I was working, volunteering, running the bookstore, and I didn't get a chance to hear him speak. And I was uh, not happy about that. I'll just leave that, leave that there. But, you know, duty calls. And uh, he was a giant of a writer. Um, I would highly recommend his stuff, but especially his book, Super Beings. I don't know if it's still in print or not. 
Uh, but I really like the book Super Beings, and he has a couple other books too on abundance, the wellness book, the abundance book. He was a great writer. All right. But John Randolph Price, he was a new thought minister, by the way. He wrote, until you transcend the ego, you can do nothing but add to the insanity of the world. Mm. So that means we have work to do. All right. So we're going to take a quick pause, and then we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Just took a quick pause here for a moment. And we're going to get back to now getting into how do you work with this process of connecting to intention. So on page 42, it states, be creative. He wrote, being creative means trusting your own purpose and having an attitude of unbending intent in your daily thoughts and activity. Staying creative means giving form to your personal intentions. So he gives some affirmations. Uh, how he works with this. My intention is for all my activities to be directed by spirit. My intention is to love and radiate my love to my writings and anyone who might read these words and so on and so on. I'm not going to read them all. The point of it is getting in a space of creativity is connecting to intention. Then he talks about this meditation he calls Japa which is found in his book, Getting in the Gap, Making Conscious Contact with God Through Meditation with and I have that book. It's a book with a CD. I bought that many years ago. Uh, and it's basically, it's, it's certain affirmations and sounds you make in the pauses of things. It's, it, you had, I don't want to butcher it. It's better that you listen to it yourself. But he wrote, repeating the sound within the name of God while asking for what you want generates creative energy to manifest your desires. And your desires are the movement of the universal mind within you. So the more you get in creative space and meditation is a great way to do it. He just gives one technique, but it's a great way to get into a creative space where you're, where you're contemplating spiritual truth. You're, you're proclaiming certain things like, you know, that thing they would do like OM and, you know, ah and that stuff, whatever. But again, go listen to it yourself because it was trying to take names out, sounds out of the different ways in which uh, God's name is proclaimed in different languages. And in that space, then visualizing and affirming the truth that you desire. Anyway, that's as good as it's going to get as far as me explaining that. <laughs> All right. Number two, be kind. All right. It, he wrote, all that's manifested is brought here to thrive. It takes a kindly power to want 
what it creates to thrive and multiply. So when you're kind, you're in alignment with the truth of your being. And remember, what's true about God is true about you. All right. So he wrote, make an effort, page 44, make an effort to live in in cheerful kindness. It's a much higher energy than sadness uh, at what is uh, uh, malevolent, malevolence. I always butcher that word. And it makes the manifestation of your desire possible. It is through giving that we receive. It is through acts of kindness directed towards others that our immune systems are strengthened and even our serotonin levels increased. So what it's saying is simply this, is the kinder you are, the more loving you are, it shows up as being in alignment with the truth of your being. And then he wrote low energy thoughts that weaken us fall in the realm of shame, anger, hatred, judgment, and fear. When you are in alignment with those emotions and perceptions, that energy pulls you down. It robs you of your creativity. But as I said in my sermon on language of oneness on meditation, if you contemplation, worry is negative contemplation. If you can worry, you can meditate. If you can worry, you can pray. Then it says, kindness towards yourself. And he wrote, I love this. You are God manifested, and that's reason enough to treat yourself kindly. You have to love you. You have to love you. You have to speak kindly of yourself. That doesn't mean you don't need work on You want to be in better shape. You want to develop your character better. You want to be more loving. Yes, all of that. Yes. But always proclaim your spiritual wholeness. Then he wrote about kindness towards others. He says, when you are kind to others, you receive kindness in return. And it does not mean you always will receive kindness from the person you gave kindness to. Because that's what trips us up sometimes. Because somebody is just living out their own awareness we feel as though we have to stop being kind to match other people's energy. And that's not the case. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a floor mat. It just means that you choose to intend to create a life where kindness and love are abundant in your life. And people who don't have that energy, unless you're being directed by spirit to go do something for them or help them in some kind of way, then you can choose not to have people who have low levels of consciousness to be around you, pulling you down. As Susan Taylor once wrote, everyone's not healthy enough to have a front row seat in your life. Then he wrote, if you wish to connect to intention and become someone who achieves all of your objectives in life, you're going to need the assistance of a multitude of folks. Now, let me just stop here for a moment because this reminded me of something that Reverend Coleman told me Many years ago, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, who was the founder of Christ Universal Temple and the Universal Foundation for Better Living, she said to me, my people love me because I love them first. And because they know I love love them first, they follow me. So she wasn't expecting just follow me. She set the expectation that I need to show them that I love them first. 
that I'm going to take care of them first, that I'm going to protect them first, that I'm going to make them a priority. Then they love me and they will follow me. I consider that Reverend Coleman's secret sauce. She understood that she needed to lead with love. Now, love didn't mean always rubbing people's rubbing people on the back and, and um, you know, going along just to get along. She was far from that type of personality, believe me. But she understood that she had, she had to make sure her people knew that they were love first. All right. And then he tells a wonderful story about a young man who um, had uh, some physical and mental challenges and how this group of boys came together to, to allow um, his son, not Wayne Dye, he's telling the story, but that a man told, to be able to experience um, hitting, uh, uh, running the bases and hitting an infield home run. It's a wonderful story, but I'm not going to read it off for now. Then he talks about kindness towards all life. And I love this one statement where he wrote, the universe responds in kind to what you elect to radiate outward. If you say with kindness in your voice and in your heart, how may I serve you? The universe responds, the universe's response will be, how may I serve you as well? Give and it is given to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. And then he tells, she also, he also tells a wonderful story about his daughter, which is very nice, but you can read that on your own. Third point, of connecting to intention is be love. So again, he wrote, ponder these words thoughtfully. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in me, and I in him. That's the scripture, obviously, from first John, from the first epistle of John. Then he wrote these wonderful words. You were intended out of love. You must be you must be loved in order to intend. Now, let me read, read it again. You are intended out of love. You must be love in order to intend. So if you want to be in alignment with intention, you have to be in alignment with love. Faith, hope, and love, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these. Then it reads, love is cooperation rather than competition all right in other words your good does not stop me from getting mine and my good doesn't stop you from getting yours regardless of what the human appearance says there's always enough for me and there's always enough for you because god is unlimited abundance <clears throat> then it reads love is the force behind the will of god and I believe that one of the things we teach a new thought is that God's will is absolute good. And the reason why we teach that God's will is absolute good, because in new thought, we say that God's essential character is absolute good. And God's will can't be out of alignment with God's character. So the more you understand that God's will for me is absolute good. God doesn't want me sick, broken, unhappy. God's will for me is absolute good. Number four, be beauty. 
He quotes Emily Dickinson, who wrote, beauty is not caused, it is. And I love what he wrote. He, he wrote, this is page 51. This means, of course, that the creative spirit brings things into the world of boundaries to thrive and flourish and expand. You are a, a, a creation in the world of what we call boundaries, the physical dimension. That, mean you were, that means that you were created to thrive, flourish, and expand. Expand to what? Expand into infinity. There's no limit on how far you can expand. Because when you really know who you are, then you recognize there are really no boundaries. All right. Let me move on. He Then he tells some other stories that are really good. Another story that's really good, but I'm going to let you read that in the book yourself. Number five, be ever expansive. He wrote, the all emerging universal force that intended you into being and commences all life is always growing and perpetually expanding. Reverend Coleman used to tell us that the desire is God knocking at the door of your soul, seeking expression. Desire. Is God, not, not these surface wants. True desire is the impulse of spirit seeking expression. This is why every person is pregnant, pregnant with potential, pregnant with possibility, pregnant with ideas, pregnant with desire, the desire for spirit to experience itself. Now, I know that might sound crazy, but I really want you to understand what I'm saying. I mean that literally. The desire of spirit to experience itself for the absolute to experience itself in relativity. That's you. I am relatives. So I can. So the absolute aspect of me can experience me. God experiences itself through its creation. So Wayne Dyer went on to write, by staying in a state of readiness in which you are not attached to what you used to think or be, and by thinking from the end and staying open to receiving divine guidance, you abide by the law of growth and are receptive to the power of intention. You have to be willing to let the old go to be able to move into the new. Or as the Apostle Paul wrote, I die daily. I, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. Number six, be abundant. He wrote, intention is endlessly abundant. There's no scarcity in the universal, invisible world of spirit. Hmm. No limits. Next paragraph. Abundance is what God's kingdom is about. Abundance. You're created out of abundance to be abundance and experience abundance. Hmm. We have to get past 
this belief that this is an abundant universe. He wrote, so what's to prevent you from rejoining that limitless awareness in your mind and holding on to the, these pictures regardless of what goes before you? What prevents you is the conditioning you've been exposed to during your life, which you can change today in the next few minutes if you so desire. In other words, creating a permanent shift in consciousness. All right. He went on to write on page 54. If you can think, if you think you can manifest abundance into your life, you'll see intention agreeing with you and assisting you in the fulfillment of meager expectations. So when you contemplate what you don't like, when you think about what you can't have, you're also fulfilling divine law. You're fulfilling, you're fulfilling it. And he tells a wonderful story about being in, in intention and always being in alignment with always having more than enough. Being the kid who, you know, would, um, you know, shovel snow and collect soda bottle caps and cut lawns or whatever, even though he was, a, you know, a, a foster child. And even as a, uh, you know, a school teacher at St. John's University, how he picked up uh, extra gigs, you know, starting a driver's education business after school or creating lectures for extra income, which end up, the lectures end up becoming his first book. And he's basically said on page 55, and I love this, the universal spirit has always worked with me in bringing my thoughts of unlimited abundance into my life. The right people would magically appear. The right break would come along. The help I needed would seemingly manifest out of nowhere. That's the process. That's the process. He just gave it right there. The right people would magically appear. The right break would come along. The help I needed would seemingly manifest out of nowhere. Can you trust it enough? This power of intention, the presence and power of God within you, the indwelling Christ, the I am in you. Can you trust it enough to know that all these things can work? Or as scripture says in Romans, I believe it's Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God, God and who are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean that some people are not called by God. What it means is that when you love God in this sense, meaning you putting God first and staying connected to intention and called according to his purpose, just means you're being pulled by your vision or purpose. So he wrote, it's all about having an inner picture of abundance, thinking in unlimited ways, being open to the guidance that intention provides when you're in a state of rapport with it, and then being in a state of ecstatic gratitude and awe for how this whole thing works. I love ecstatic gratitude. I love that. Ooh, ecstatic. I'm just so grateful. I'm ecstatic about how good God is and how God is blessing my life and in awe. Now, this is one of the things that I love about uh, understanding Bible translation. All through the Old Testament, but especially in certain parts, you hear these words, fear the Lord, fear of the Lord. It's in Proverbs and Psalms and whatever. But that word fear means to be in awe or reverence. It doesn't mean to be scared of the Lord. It means to be in awe of the Lord. It means to revere the Lord or revere God or revere spirit or be in awe 
of this power of intention. Because when you think about it, life, you should be in awe. You should be in reverence of a creative force and capacity that can do all of this stuff that just runs on automatic. Number seven, be receptive. The universal mind is ready to respond to anyone who recognizes their true relationship to it. It will reproduce whatever conception of itself you impress upon it. This is key. It will reproduce whatever conception. We're talking about the mind now, the mental conception of its of, uh, of itself you impress upon it. He, he wrote, in other words, it's receptive to all who remain in harmony with it and stay in relationship of reverence for it. Again, as I stated, you have to be in reverence of it. You have to be in alignment with it. And this is not willpower forcing stuff. I love how he wrote, wrote it. He said, um, the nature of the universal mind is peaceful. It isn't receptive to force or violence. It works in its own time and rhythm, allowing everything to emanate by and by. It's in no hurry because it's outside of time. It's always in the eternal now. Try getting down on your hands and knees and hurrying along a tiny tomato plant sprout. Universal spirit is at work peacefully, and your attempts to rush it or tug new life into full creative flower will destroy the entire process. Being receptive means allowing your senior partner to handle your life for you. I will accept the guidance and assistance of the same force that created me. I let go of my ego and I trust in this wisdom to move at its own peaceful pace. I make no demands on it. This is, this is right here. See, but here's the beauty of it. The pace of, because it's always in the now, the more you can realize the now, the more it can show up, not by willpower, but by what Jesus said in the gospel of John. He told his disciples, look at the fields. And obviously they were seeing fields that still, that were not ready to be harvested. But he said, the fields are already white for harvest. Pray to God that they're laborers for the harvest. In other words, and he said something like they say is four months to the harvest, but I'm saying that the harvest is ready now. See, a consciousness like Jesus could see that what other people saw as incompletion had completion already in it. Can you see the completion in what the world is saying is incomplete? So. I'm going to wrap up this. He gives some statements on here, five suggestions to implementing this chapter. So I'm just going to read the top parts of that. Where he says, number one, to realize your desires, match them up with your inner speech. Again, let me reread that. To realize your desires, match them with your inner speech. In other words, your desires and inner speech have to be coincide. Number two, think from the end. And again, he gives explanation for all these points. But yet again, that'll be part of your part to read. Remember, I teach the book. I teach the material. You read the material. 
Number three, to reach a state of impeccability, you need to practice unbending intent. All right. In other words, that that unbending intent is like that dandelion that's going to push through your grass no matter what every year. I don't care how much weed and feed you put down, put down the year before. It's pushing through. Number four, copy the seven faces of intention on three by five cars. So he's just using the example of putting them around your house. The seven faces of intention. I already taught that in the previous episode from, I believe, the first chapter. Number five, always keep the thought of God's abundance in mind. If any other thought comes, replace it with that of God's abundance. You might have to say a series of affirmations. I would suggest having something in the morning and the evening where you're just proclaiming God's goodness, abundance, peace, health, joy, love, grace, whatever. All right. And, and that way, as when your mind tries to go where it doesn't need to go, you can pull yourself back and get in alignment with divine intention. All right. So with that, the next episode will be on chapter four, obstacles to connecting to intention. We're going to make this stuff work. And as Reverend Coleman used to say, it works if you work it. God bless you all. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.